As season one of Duct Tape and Paperclips winds down, Nathan and Annie have some exciting news. They're starting a Patreon. It's cheap as hell, and if you become a member before season two launches on January 18th, you'll be entered to win the ultimate MacGyver package, which includes a cool black bomber jacket, Swiss Army knife, Timex watch, aviator sunglasses, and more. Plus, you'll get exclusive access to bonus DTNP content, like breakdowns of the MacGyver Simpsons episode, the new MacGyver reboot, and the MacGruber movie. You can even join Nathan and Annie in the Zoom to meet the comedian guests and help record select episodes of the podcast. So don't wait. Hop over to patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod and join up today. That's patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod. Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That's right. And tonight we are breaking down season one, episode 22, The Assassin. The Assassin, the season finale. We have reached the moment. Uh, Annie, this is our last uh, true episode of the season. Uh, we're going to do a little breakdown of the numbers after this. Um, but... This is the last episode, number 22. How has this been for you? <laughs> it is. We've made it. I mean, we've made it 22 episodes of season In one. In a row. <laughs> they have been all over the goddamn place. Um, I don't <laughs> yeah, even sure. like thinking back to what that pilot episode felt like and looked like and <laughs> all of it. Um, yeah. And then to just think about where we've gone you know, <laughs> this season, yeah. um, it's really wild how all over the place, um, this has been, uh, but it has been so much fun to watch this with you because this has just been such a great way to, to spend our quarantine. Yeah, so. totally. And it's been, yeah, it is a really relaxing show to watch because you always know things are going to turn out. Okay. And, uh, and there is some nostalgia factor, you know, in watching yes. an eighties television show. I think it was interesting for me because I, you know, that has that whole other level for me of the hero worship of me just being mm -hmm. obsessed with this show. And when I really am honest with myself, my, my uh, most of my memories of this show are probably seasons like four, five, six, you know, seven. Like, I don't remember anything from the first season. So going back to the roots of this show from like, and seeing how clueless they were about what this show was <laughs> at the beginning and having it be like you say, just totally all over the map has been a, a real delight and it's not only that i'm looking back at a show i used to love and a character i used to love and seeing the origins of that and what a mess it was but i'm also getting to see this sort of american exceptionalism that i didn't notice back then mm -hmm. and the sort of 80s ideals um that i that i've grown you know so far away from as an adult um so it's been really fun to sort of psychoanalyze you know, my little kid self and <laughs> revisit some of this stuff. Yeah, it has been really interesting to to look back through a different lens, like in a decade when we were raised and, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of look back at what the cultural kind of norms were. Um, it, it's not stuff that we always remember. Um, and in terms of the storytelling aspect, I mean, and you probably know this about me, I am a sucker for the creative process and creative growth. And so to be able to see something that was so 
ill-formed in a lot of ways and was so rough at the beginning, you know, turn into really this cultural icon um, and this television show because, you know, we we kind of rag on the show a lot without acknowledging (laughs) like this is a worldwide yeah, phenomenon. it's in the fucking dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> everybody knows for a reason. And so to see that, to see the show slowly build toward that um, is really cool. And see flashes of it. To... It starts out as like Henry Winkler's fever dream. And then, yes. it, and then it turns into, it gradually starts. To, and it really does take two steps forward, one step back over and over and over again. It really does. But it's really, I am enjoying the process of seeing them build towards something that becomes so big and so you know important in the culture to the point where it's being referenced over and over and over again you know, for a reason, because this really captured the imagination um, of certainly a generation of kids, um, but also adults. And so I am really excited uh, as we get into season two to see this show kind of gel um, and become, you know, what maybe we remember it as. Assuming that season two is where it does that. We we really don't know yet. It, <laughs> it might take an extra three. couple seasons. I'm not promising it's happening Who in season Who knows? Two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it, it is. And, you know, back then it does feel like uh, more leeway was given to shows. You know, I've, we've we've made the community theater joke a lot of times on this season, but yes. it's, just, it's just people trying to put something together week after week. It's not an HBO budget where it's like a movie in six parts, you know? No, and there's they are allowed the time to make that happen. And one of the things that is so fun for me is looking back on some of these shows and it's, you know, the pilot episode and somebody has an entire family that they didn't have, right. you know, four, four episodes later. Yeah. Um, and so those sort of tweaks that they make um, as the series goes on, I think for anyone who's creative is really interesting to see, you know, these really big stars like Henry Winkler is like a very well-known and very talented person um, to see those folks, you know, still sort of growing and and stumbling around even at that point in their career, I think gives people who are creative a lot of hope for you know some of the stuff we created in the past and are creating now oh yeah yeah what are you hoping for in season two creatively or otherwise i would love for macgyver to move into an apartment that he likes and he wants (laughs) to stay in he deserves uh, it yeah for more than one episode i would love love to see that um there's a couple of our femme fatales that i would love to see come back um because i think there was some interesting stuff there (laughs) um and i would love to see pete kind of get it together a little bit yeah yeah yeah. that that would be great what about you anything you're i agree about pete i feel i feel like pete has been an afterthought of a character and now they need to really truly flesh out the world he lives in yeah, exactly. And he needs to be in a place and, and have like underlings and be capable. <laughs> exactly. I want to know more about his world. Like, is there a family in Pete's world? Is there a home in Pete's world? I would love to to know any of that. I, I know I'm not going to get this, but I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to put it out of the universe that I would like to see just less narration from MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really great if he could just let me figure out what he's doing visually instead of mansplaining it to me all the time. Yes. All right. So um, 
for those of you at home, uh, what you can't see is that there's a box sitting next to Annie that I shipped uh, all the way across the country from Vermont <laughs> to Vermont yes. to California, and I told her she couldn't open it until right now. And basically, Annie, I just wanted to send you something to say thank you as a wrap gift, if you will. Like, people don't really see it as work, and it has been fun, but I basically asked you to watch an episode of MacGyver <laughs> twice in a week and then talk about it for over an hour every week for 22 weeks in a row. <laughs> and that is a lot. That is a big commitment. Um, it's, it's probably it's, good for you that you didn't phrase it to me that way. Yeah, uh, when, intentionally, when I didn't. Started yeah. um, so uh, I wanted to get you something that I thought was a good uh, symbol of what we've been through here. So go ahead, open it up, take a okay, look. I'm, see what you I'm think. opening this up. It's kind of heavy. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. This Where did you get this? This You know is what this is? One of the coolest jackets that I've ever seen in my life is what this is. Um okay, it's not a movie prop. I'll say that. It's not an original, but it it is a an exact copy of something that we saw this season on the show. Do you know what it is? It's not the jacket that the um that the genius girl wears, is it? Yes. This is her exact <laughs> jacket. <laughs> yes, oh it is. God. <laughs> this is amazing this is uh the coolest jacket that i've ever owned uh thank you so much yes of course i of course. this i am gonna look so cool in this um, <laughs> because we have brown leather denim combo um it's oversized which i really like um and it's this is the jacket that if you guys watched what is the name of that episode Ugly Duckling. Ugly Duckling, right. This is the jacket from Ugly Duckling <laughs> that I mentioned no less than 47 times that I was obsessed yep. with in the episode. Yep. Uh, he listens, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, shout out to Natalie Miller, my wife, who, I mean, I had the idea to like go find that jacket the second we got off. <laughs> and I was like, I got to find that jacket. Um, and I looked, I looked for hours and hours, couldn't find it. I was considering like, costume makers on Etsy. I was oh like, how can I get... And Natalie found it in, I'm not kidding, 10 minutes. She found it on a vintage site. It was in great shape, blah, blah, blah. It's incredible. It's like a guest denim jacket, which was like a very 80s, you know, thing to, to have. This was definitely like a status item. So... I love it. And I will promise listeners this. If there, if we do a live event mm -hmm. <laughs> at any point in time, yes. I will be wearing this Absolutely. on stage. That's uh, amazing. No questions asked. Uh, anyway, thank you for all of your time and effort put into this podcast. I'm looking forward to showing that jacket. We'll post it somewhere. We'll post a photo of it somewhere. Yes. Keep your eyes on our socials. All right. That is uh, enough of that nonsense. Let's get to our guest <laughs> tonight. is a hilarious comedian. You've seen him on The Late Late Show and his Comedy Central special. Please welcome our pal, Jared Logan. Hi, Jared. Hey, what's up, everybody? And also, be sure to check out my new half hour on ethics. <laughs> that sounds like a joke, but it is true. I'm on something okay. called Unprotected Sets on Epics. All right. Do you have right. epics? A lot of people don't know if they have it, but I bet you have it or you could find it and I'm you could watch sure my half hour. That's yeah. great. How has it been difficult to 
get people to find it? I I don't know. I, I, I actually haven't found it myself yet because I hate watching myself. <laughs> uh, and they sent me a couple of clips and I was like, um, I mean, people are laughing. I mean, I'm a very talented comedian. Right, but, right. Yeah. Uh, it's just not something I don't really care. Where did you this comedy. was recorded pre pandemic? I'm assuming it was recorded during the pandemic. No way. Um, now, really? that makes me a bad person, I realize. Uh, but wait, I'm not done. Because it was all done outdoors in a very distanced audience who all sure. wore masks and had to get two COVID tests wow. several weeks apart before they could participate. Um, and, and to your knowledge, no one got ill. And professionally, and no one got ill. No one got ill. It was right. done very safely and professionally. So, you know, it was just a, a very smart team of people making it work. And I want to thank them for, because uh, they're listening. I want to thank sure, you guys. <laughs> How was the, I mean, I have so many questions about that, but like, I know what it's like to perform outdoors for people who are distanced. And what made you say, I want to record that? Was it just, I want to record this moment in time? Because it can't be because it, you get the best audience response in this environment, right? You know, honestly, um, I I had a half hour of material mm -hmm. that I had kind of workshopped a bunch in January and February, and it was sort of getting, re I was, I was trying to add 15 to it to maybe take it somewhere else or something. And then this opportunity just came through and, uh, it, it, and it, the material was there, it was ready. And I, I mean, I don't know. I'm at this point as a comedian where I'm like, wait, everybody's going to be in masks outdoors during a pandemic. I wonder how that all affect laughs. Well, they might not laugh as much. Wait, so I won't have that thing in my head going, that's not a big enough laugh. I'll just have a thing in my head going, <laughs> oh, that seems about right. That's yeah. this is a pandemic. And in <laughs> fact, it had the opposite effect. When I heard a laugh, I was like, I'm crushing. <laughs> <laughs> but it went very well. And I really enjoyed the performance. That's so cool. So. Very cool. And your, uh, how is uh, new fatherhood treating you? How old is your kid now? My daughter, Rosie. Uh, Rosalie is her full name, uh, is, uh, she's 20 months old. And when I tell people the months, they're like, why do you say the months? <laughs> and I'm like, because it's, if you're another parent will immediately be like, oh, I get that. Right. But like, she's not quite two yet. She's There's got four a more months difference between 20 two. months and two years. There really Developmentally, is. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about someone who is a different human being in terms of how many more months they have. So that's why parents do that. And, uh, my daughter, I mean, like, what does she do now? I mean, like, she talks. She had a language explosion. So she's not two, but she goes, podcast. <laughs> she knows that if I'm inside of my office here, that she's like, podcast, podcast. <laughs> she really knows that word. Yeah. That's so and she, funny. And, it, like, it's also, I really love the interests of children who are not yet two. My daughter's current interest is the moon moon wow. see moon oh cool that's what she's into that's so great uh <laughs> yes. what uh i have to ask what uh have you had any experience with the macgyver of the 1980s uh before this podcast so i'm 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 pretty familiar with macgyver i mean macgyver uh is uh one of those things that was a giant part of my childhood okay i i can remember it being one of the first uh, shows that wasn't a cartoon or made for kids that I enjoyed as a child. Uh, I have such clear memories. I believe it came on Wednesday night. I can remember being in my grandma's trailer, 
like watching it and knowing that my parents were going to come get me soon. Cause I think it was also <laughs> a nine o'clock show. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I knew if it was on, my parents were going to show up pretty soon. Um, just, uh, I, and it was when I watched it for this, it was so different than how I remembered it. Like that <laughs> weird sort of childhood memory of it. Um, and better than I thought it would be honestly. Uh, but definitely great fondness for it. Absolutely. And I even did like a bit when I worked for the late, late show, uh, as a writer about the new MacGyver, we would like use it as kind of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we use it like the, as the kind of like butt of jokes and stuff. (laughs) But, um, you know, having rewatched the old MacGyver, new MacGyver doesn't, I I hope I'm not, I'm not, I hope I'm not angering any MacGyver fans out there. My personal opinion is doesn't hold, it doesn't hold a matchup to a propane (laughs) tank to the old MacGyver. And we haven't watched it yet. So we're ignorant of it, but we'll probably have to bring ourselves to take a look eventually. Wait, you guys have, oh, you haven't watched new MacGyver. No, No. not not the new MacGyver. I can't. Well, when you, when you do bring me back because I I have thoughts. (laughs) You didn't like watch. Watch the new MacGyver for the comedy bit you did. Did you? Um, I certainly did. <laughs> and then <laughs> I certainly did. And, and I think we touched, we did it. We did it more than once, maybe only twice, but I watched it both times that we did it. And did you ever have anyone from that show on the late, late show and you had to certainly we did. Cause it was a CBS program. Mm. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, that was kind of, that's kind of like poking fun at your own family kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, what would happen is we would often need to write monologues uh, for James Corden that were um, kind of universally, you could plop them in anywhere. You know, we would take time off, thank goodness. And and sometimes he would have to travel and do something other than be the host of the show. And so in that case, we'd be told to make an evergreen monologue. So I believe that uh, the the, the monologue team and myself kind of concocted this thing where we (laughs) just do a monologue about MacGyver. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, great. Uh, Well, I can't wait to jump into our discussion about this episode. Uh, But first, let's get a little summary, Annie, so we remember what we're talking about here. Oh, I would be thrilled. (laughs) Piedra, an infamous assassin, is in Los Angeles to do a job, a.k.a. kill someone. MacGyver and Pete capture him in a clock shop. MacGyver impersonates Piedra to learn his target, uh, visiting Archbishop. Meanwhile, Terry, the sister of one of Piedra's victims and the Archbishop's security detail, both mistake MacGyver for the killer. Piedra escapes custody and heads for the Archbishop's speaking engagement. MacGyver sorts out the misunderstandings, impersonates the Archbishop, takes down Piedra, and saves the day. And that is this episode. Wow, that is amazing. Yep. Uh, that was a mouthful. Um, impersonates the Archbishop. <laughs> impersonates the Archbishop. It's That's a not tough an one. easy one. Doesn't roll out the tongue. So we're going to share our opinions about what worked and what didn't about this episode and how we feel it holds up now. But first, what are our first impressions, uh, especially you, Jared? Like turning this on, you said it was better than you thought it would be like what were your first impressions um well i mean like the intro is incredible the intro to yeah. MacGyver is very good it it, it, yeah. it does look like a movie of the time the intro not the entire show right but the <laughs> the, the opening credits the opening music and then you know he's he's got helicopters firing at a jeep he's he's sledding down a dune while taliban <laughs> fire at him with automatic weapons mm-hmm. i mean like I'm like, wow, this show was this good. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it's also probably kind of targeted at me because I'm like a big fan of. Have you ever heard like the men's adventure paperback genre? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, not really. So, 
I'm a collector. Yeah, so I'm a collector of like these old men's adventure paperbacks. Mm, you can wow. see they always have a hot woman on the cover, oh, wow. uh, drawn in like uh, a child's scrawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Helm is a counterintelligence agent. Okay. Uh, this is the first uh, volume in the Matt Helm series, but there's all kinds. There's one called the Destroyer, you know, uh, you know, the Executioner, Mac Bolan, the Executioner, mm-hmm. and I think MacGyver has its DNA in these these like basically they were like very cheap paperbacks they weren't hard to read you could finish them in uh i mean one sitting if you really were like had a if you were a security guard or something right (laughs) and uh and they gave you what you wanted which was uh a good guy who's almost always white uh and i say that critically uh beating up the bad guys who were often not white right. uh, and uh, and uh, always betting ladies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> cheap knockoffs of James Bond. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, the, the, right. the racism is deplorable, but I, th- I I would feel remiss if I didn't mention it. And you're a collector of and an enjoyer of this genre. <laughs> I do. I do enjoy it because I, you know, I, some of them have better art than the one I just showed you. They have these beautiful painted covers. Hmm. Um, it's it's a it's a it's lost nobody reads books like that anymore um so they're very collectible and um it's this way for me to enjoy my own masculinity uh with my tongue in my cheek so that i'm not just you know (laughs) i I don't know at a maga rally or something Uh, i don't know (laughs) I, uh, I this is your way slope. to stave off involvement in the alt right. That's gonna. Well, isn't it sad that I need something to help me right. do that? No. Yeah, why would you? Uh, that's probably not a good way to put it. But I, I would say that, like, I think every dude uh, likes this kind of thing, or most straight white male cis dudes like me, and uh, it, it's fun. You know, it's fun if you if you kind of like think critically about it. You can enjoy some of this kind of antiquated machismo of yesteryear. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can relate. I'm watching every episode of MacGyver. <laughs> like, right. I exactly. Can relate to that, and I'm and doing see, it with my tongue I in my cheek. Picture. I can picture the covers that you're talking about, like the very, like the series, the just oh, yeah. like easily digestible crime right. drama There's type. A woman in a bikini, yeah. and the guy's holding her, and they're in a swamp, and an alligator's attacking them. <laughs> and he's opening up on it with a uh, machine gun. You know right, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. I will say uh, MacGyver is a definitely a Nathan Hartswick male fantasy because MacGyver refuses to ever use a gun. Uh-huh. Right? And what makes you think? So, <laughs> how does that connect know, to your impression the, of me? Something about the Vermont liberalness of you. Says, okay, yeah, the pacifist. Uh, <laughs> the pacifist. And I really love that kind of thing. You know, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. And Doctor uh-huh. Who, you know, Doctor Who, his thing is always like, no guns. I don't beat people up. I mm-hmm. solve the mystery. Like, that's what I do. So, um, those are fun heroes, you know, Sure. Yeah. Uh, but also sometimes I like the Punisher putting lead into mafia. Oh, so yeah. oh, those fucking mob guys. Oh, they deserve it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. So that was your impression. Your impression was the oh, this, is, <laughs> this awesome. is all about this is all about the intro. It's what you're giving us. Um, yeah, I mean, and this is interesting. I mean, I wanted to get into this, but like this episode is not exactly typical of what we've been seeing thus far mm-hmm. in the season in that it the plot moves at a breakneck 
uh, speed relative to the other other episodes we've seen. So much so that there aren't as many opportunities for MacGyverisms for him to like solve some weird problem with surrounding materials. You know, what I noticed was that they kind of, um, they took their, it was sweeps week. They had to pull out all the stops. Breakneck pace is correct. But what they did is they created an anti-MacGyver because uh, what we see is not MacGyver, but Piedra, the assassin, is the one that does the MacGyvering in this, right? Right. Yeah, which I loved. And we never really see that from a villain. But this episode, they kind of flipped it and had that whole escape um, sequence uh, from the cell, um, which which kind of worked, I feel like. Yeah, I thought it worked really well. And I wonder, did they ever bring Piedra back? Because if you're going to create Bizarro MacGyver, you got to bring him back. Uh, They didn't uh, bring him back. They brought back the actor, of course, for a different (laughs) different role three seasons later. But uh, they never gave the the character another spin. Um, I also felt like, Nathan, this was darker in tone than mm, a lot of the other episodes that we've seen. Like opening with a stabbing um, of someone who, you know, is working as a sex worker. Worker, like that is not really tonally no. go with I, most MacGyver episodes. Can yeah. I tell you what I had in my notes about that? Uh, which, by the way, I'm a podcast host's dream. I make a page of notes. Um, <laughs> we love it. I wrote, dude stabs the lady and all of a sudden it's a giallo. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a giallo? What's a giallo? You know what a giallo is? No. Giallo is like this like Italian like cinema fucking genre where it's like all like thrillers where there's lots of stabbings okay, like gotcha. like um like Dario Argento directed a lot of them. They always have like this bright technicolor fake looking blood yeah. in them. Okay. And when I saw that stabbing, I was like, shit, MacGyver's for real. Like I, I was <laughs> like, oh, this is this is uh they went they really did pull out all the stops for their yeah, their finale. Really That's pretty dope i love it yeah yeah and then we get on to this like the 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 watchmakers the clockmakers shop or whatever this clock shop which also the worst the worst store i've ever seen in my life like what (laughs) what am i looking at here yeah it doesn't look like a clock shop it looks like uh, a set dresser with a limited budget had to turn (laughs) up But a but conference wanna... room into yeah. a clock shop and all the clocks are also hideous, by the way. Yeah. So here's my question to you. So uh, Piedra, he enters the store and Pete's outside, you know, doing surveillance from the van and says, oh, th- th- you know, we know Piedra. He's he doesn't have a family. Mm-hmm. And then this guy enters the store with his kid. Right. And then uh the guy and the kid talk to MacGyver, who's posing as the watchmaker. And then. uh, uh the dad goes, okay, here you go. Here's a watch I bought for you. Bye. And then the kid leaves and then Pete's outside. He's like, the, the kid's leaving. And that's when you realize, oh, wait, this isn't just some dad. This is Piedra, right? Yeah. But like, okay, I have a question. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my question too. <laughs> why did he do that? Why? Because uh, there's no reason. <laughs> no. Like if you're going to meet your contact who helps you build bombs, which is yeah. who MacGyver is posing at, posing as, like, why did he need to fool him or something? And then if you are going to full, like, okay, I, at first I was like, maybe Piedra like knows he's probably being watched. Right. So right. maybe he's like going in with the kid. Well then keep the kid with you and yes. walk out with the walk kid. Why did him. you go? Okay. <laughs> bye kid. Tip them all off. Yes. But, I had all the same thoughts. Yeah. That yeah. was not written. Good. <laughs> that accomplished zero. No. Nothing. And it's uh, very clear to me that Pete, should not be in the surveillance team in the field. Like he is a no. desk guy it's because so 
he is so slow to come in and do anything about that. And of course, like, you know, we want to have time for the fight to play out and that's all well and good. But uh, Pete does not seem up to this. No, Pete has one job and it is exposition. And he even does that poorly. Um, What a clock shop specializing in diming devices for explosions. (laughs) The lines he has are like, this is what the audience needs to know. I'll say it. There's a reason you keep Pete around, though, other than exposition. And you're right. He's just an exposition machine. The other reason you keep Pete around is when he comes in and MacGyver's fighting the assassin. Uh, by the way, an assassin that MacGyver has smashed into a glass case a couple times, <laughs> mm-hmm. hit and nailed in different ways. It, it, all Pete has to do is lightly yeah, bop him, jab him in, the, yes. bop him in the back, yeah. and the guy goes down. Yep. So uh, that's why you keep Pete around. He's got a, he's a one punch man. Yeah, the glass case and the like grandfather clock that disintegrates immediately when they fall into it um, yeah. was also now, another highlight. For I, me. I will say, I mean, uh, I loved this so much. Um, this guy. <laughs> It was like a my 10-year-old's fantasy. Like the fact that he this this bad guy had uh roundhouse kicks, a throwing star, an expanding baton, two butterfly knives in the space of 30 seconds was like awesome. <laughs> like I thought that was I mean I really did think that was cool. Like yes, yeah. exactly. It was like lighting up all these 9-year-old Yeah, all the 80s yeah. things that your mom wouldn't let you have. Like some kid at yes. school had a butterfly knife and could use it and you were like that is the coolest shit. Remember when he just pulled out a lawn dart and threw it at him. Yeah, all of the stuff he came out with, it, it was very clear to me like, oh, we're watching a different kind of episode than we're used to because this, it, it, there's so much action. But I think it also taps into this thing when you're a kid of like, you want to believe that every boring clock shop that your mom drags you into is yeah. secretly this like cool spy zone. Um, and so that's kind of got that like imagination factor, which yeah. is sort of this like, episode had more fun in the first 10 minutes than we've seen in the last six episodes <laughs> like it really yeah. hits the ground running i can remember when i would watch macgyver as a kid like sometimes i would get mad at macgyver because it wouldn't get like this quickly enough mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and yeah. i really needed a lot to keep my attention this would have been one of the ones that i would have liked yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he also uh <laughs> this is a really big role for what is essentially this guy is otherwise mostly a stunt man the guy who plays the bad guy in this. And he has a lot of dialogue for someone who's basically just a stunt. Like he's on, on his credits. It lists that he was both Michelle Pfeiffer's and Harrison Ford's whip trainer. <laughs> like this guy is a serious stunt dude, but he had a huge role. Like, and he, he had a smug look on his face. He looks like Matthew McConaughey when he takes his mustache off. I, th- I liked his performance. <laughs> and um, I think that, you know, a lot of stunt guys are, actors i mean like look i mean he was he as good as richard dean anderson no nobody is <laughs> but was he better than pete yes everybody, <laughs> well, is. everybody is so uh he was better than the huffing overweight 50 year old <laughs> We're skipping ahead a little bit, but when he is captured and he mounts the escape, that really just hit all cylinders for me. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like when he <laughs> pulled off the mustache to reveal that little pin, I was delighted. I thought it was amazing. And just to see he made like that little pea shooter and you know <laughs> was able to to get out of the cell. Like that's the kind of stuff you watch the show for. 
I want to say this though. So the pea shooter. So he he takes like his his like paper cup they gave him to drink water out of, and he and he rips it, and then he kind of turns it into like a pipe, and then he puts this little pin that he had hidden under his fake mustache, mm-hmm. and he uses it to blow it into uh one of the agents and i'm like does it have poison on it why was that no. so effective because this little pin right. hits the guy and the guy's like ah and yeah just, like, falls down well my thought about that 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 pin came that was the pin that came for, he used the mustache pin to open his handcuffs but he had another one on his appendix scar <sighs> yeah that right? was the pin yeah. that was which uh, by the way that. nobody keeps a poison dart that close to their own skin but no um, this guy does i mean but also i felt that the pea shoot thing was mostly to distract the guy and the guy would be so disoriented then then he grabs his gun and is able to kind of fight him from there it's a perfect plan you perfect. just create yep. a dart gun to distract <laughs> yeah, easy yeah. this is what they teach you when you yeah, are in uh, school. green beret <laughs> camp it's like create a dart gun to distract yeah yeah then get him then yeah. grab them through the bars and sure. strangle them. Um, yeah, so that that jumps ahead a little bit. But certainly, um, the other thing I, I, I loved about this episode was that they finally, finally started intercutting. Like, we finally see two scenes play out at the same time, several mm-hmm. times during the episode. We're, like, cutting back and forth between two exciting things happening at the same time, which almost has never happened in this season. It's always been just, like, one fucking long, interminable scene after another. <laughs> really? It's just yeah. always, like, and then? Yeah. And yes. Then? Yes. It's like a four-year-old telling a story. It's, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, and many, yeah, actually, now that I mentioned, I have not, I do not have this in my notes, and I don't know why this didn't occur to me, but Annie, does he narrate anything in this episode, Mr. Dean Anderson? I did not, um, I don't, I watched this episode twice, I don't recall any voiceover, which would be a huge leap from i mean jared every literally every other episode has had like multiple times in the episode where macgyver will narrate what he's putting together or what he's doing for you yeah right and then it's charming isn't it like i remember they want it to be yeah they want it to be i kind of like you know i kind of like that idea and i wonder why they well because he doesn't put anything together does right right like there's fewer of those those times and they just keep things moving so quickly in this episode it's really a lot of like unpredictable shit happens like all of a sudden they're being dragged away by these south american intelligence agents and like there's a lot that, going on. there were things that surprised me genuinely in this episode and i don't recall for, the, for last the first time um, episode that i yeah. have seen where that that took place but i do feel like the sister plot line was I could not figure out like why that needed to be part of it necessarily. Like I think they could have very easily had um, this woman be part of this without having like this like super dark stabbing uh, take place at the beginning. But one of my favorite moments of the episode was her walking into the um, escort agency (laughs) and that conversation was the the funniest thing I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> it, it truly is. It was like I thought you disapproved of our escort service, and then she goes, "Well, maybe I've grown up." Yeah, <laughs> and then the woman's like, "You're hired to be an escort." Then yeah, she's like, yeah. "Great." Uh, and you can tell that she's just trying to investigate her sister's murder, and it's so that's definitely not how escort services work. <laughs> 
But I, I remember thinking like, ooh, this is CBS After Dark here. Mm. This is the least family friendly episode we've seen. I feel like this is like they're they're getting into like um, themes that they don't normally go into. But I love that we're expected as an audience to believe that this is the hiring process for the escort service and that they've done active recruiting um, and they've been dying right. to get this woman <laughs> in there. She'd be great, but long. she disapproves. Right, uh, right. We've been looking yeah. for a sister team for a while. <laughs> so she thinks that MacGyver is possibly the guy that killed her sister. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then when she meets him and he starts giving her instructions for this sort of complex drop mm. thing, she doesn't just kill him. She's like, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have a they have a brief um exchange about that where she sort of like threatens to kill him. And then he, um, you know, is able to talk her out of it. And they have a conversation about if you were really going to kill me, you would have done it. Um, I know you're not that kind of person. And he also offers to be her confidant if she needs to talk about anything, (laughs) um, which is the other uh, pretty big leap that he's taking uh, to think that uh, that's. Yeah, but that I mean, nobody turns nobody turns someone faster than MacGyver does. And the fact that he just immediately twice now, it's that it's this moment when he basically just talks nice to her and tells her he could have killed her if he wanted to. and, And like eventually she hugs him at the end of the scene, which is an incredible turnaround for two minutes. And then later he does the same thing with the South American guys. He, he, he just like has a phone call with somebody and they just believe that that phone call was legit. Yeah. That's how espionage works. It's yeah. just like, you just have to be really convincing and say, trust me and put your hand out. Yeah. But what I want to know is like, um, do you guys recognize this actress? Cause I recognized her right away. Uh, I looked her up and she has been in a ton of stuff and is still working, but why do you ask? Do you know her? From well, something? just, it's just all the shows that my grandma made me watch. Uh, <laughs> really? this would have been one that I would have liked to have watched, but she was, had, had a, uh, recurring and murder. She wrote. Wow. Okay. She was in diagnosis, murder, all okay. the things my grandma made <laughs> yeah. me sit through. And then she was on a show that I liked, which was the original, the flash. I re- and that's oh. probably where I remembered her from the most. Corinne Bower, Cor- Corinne, Corinne Bower, Barrer, Cor- wait, Corinne Barrer. <laughs> Nailed it. Well, I know why she didn't become more famous. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I loved seeing. So, so I can't, I couldn't find anything about this, but that Chevy he's driving around LA, that 57 Chevy Nomad becomes a character in the show later. Why is he doing that? He's like, uh, this is a deep undercover. Can it be more conspicuous? I'm going to go for the aquamarine convertible 57 Chevy. 100%. I had the same note that I wrote down. But that show, that like, it, it, it takes until like season six for them to establish that that car was his grandfather's and was passed down to him and the whole thing. But like th- its appearances are much later in the show. I think this was an accident. I think this was just like, this is a cool car. And then later they brought it back for then made it part of the show. Well, but. and did you notice too, when he he's in that car for the tree, the chase scene yeah and also the guys who were allegedly following him undercover are also swerving all over the road in these like huge cars yeah. it, it's the least <laughs> it's the like, 80s man it's the it 80s is just the most overt thing i've ever but seen. like i remember i remember uh hearing that uh, one of the big challenges for stunt drivers was when like anti-lock brakes became a thing because it became harder to uh, steer into a skid, like to to create a skid. And so they were always like looking for those old boxy cars with the like locking brakes because they can do more with them stunt wise, you know? 
Also, I'm not a car guy, so I don't get the appeal, but I definitely have been on, uh, worked on uh, one or two movie sets, and the car guys are car guys, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, an undercover op. Hey, I got this 57 Chevy yeah. aquamarine <laughs> convertible uh, that I've been dying to put in anything, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I get to drive it to Richard Dean Anderson, and when he's done with it, I get to drive it away. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go, guys. Okay. You got your stupid car and <laughs> makes no sense the for the storyline but yeah, the car the guy director was like fine whatever fine yeah yeah can i ask you how many of uh international spy macgyver's adventures take place in los angeles so far? i can only think of one other one in this season yeah uh, maybe there's two many. But yeah, not two is too many for an international super spy. But I just was like, it was like international intrigue at the Melrose Arms apartments right <laughs> off of DeLongpre yeah. <laughs> near Hamburger Mary's. Like, it's just like such I mean, a they're all clearly filmed in Southern California, yeah, yeah, even right. though we're meant to believe it's Central Asia or what have you. But um, yeah, I think this is the uh, second episode we've seen, even though MacGyver, um, where does he live, Nathan? He lives somewhere uh, else. Venice Beach, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, allegedly. Cool, where cool guys live. Right, right. All right, hold it steady for me, will you? I have, a, I have something. Yeah, please. So I thought this guy is probably based on the Jackal. Do you know the Jackal? Oh, really? Okay. Elaborate. Yeah. Uh, well, I had to research to, to find out what I meant because <laughs> I just remembered that there was like a movie with Bruce Willis about an assassin mm -hmm. called the Jackal. That's all I remembered. And then I looked it up. So there was a real guy called Carlos the Jackal who was like a pro-Palestinian uh, guy who killed a lot of people uh, and was, you know, he was a terrorist. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I was like, well, that's where the jackal comes from. Nope. That guy got his name because there's a 1971 novel called The Jackal uh, from by a guy named Forsythe. Uh, that novel uh, was about an assassin called the Jackal who tries to kill the president of France, who's like not a terrorist, like the real one, but mm -hmm. just like a real like I shoot someone and they die assassin with disguises and stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is like very heavily all based on that novel, which I bet in 85 was still kind of in people's memory, you know. To your knowledge, did they ever make a did they ever make a jackal movie like in the eighties or seventies? Yeah, they made an er, they made a seventies jackal movie in like I think seventy five because it's a seventy one novel. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. It might be like seventy eight. And then they made like the nineties jackal movie with, yeah. with Bruce Willis. Annie, you know why I'm asking this? I do. <laughs> this always happens in TV shows because like okay, like if you watch like uh, the X Files, which I've watched a lot of, and my pal has a uh, podcast about. Like they're always ripping off the silence of the lambs because that mm -hmm. was just sort of in everybody's mind at the time. Right, and right. then later it becomes something else. So these guys making MacGyver probably had all read the jackal, you know, <laughs> and they were I, like, I'm sure they did. And that's one of many things that they have ripped like not only storylines, but there are MacGyver episodes from earlier in the season where there is footage that is just ripped from feature films um, <laughs> and put in uh, to, to these various sequences. Usually it's stuff that's like too expensive for them to actually 
film, <laughs> like a chase scene, something like that. Um, and my favorite, the coffin that falls into the river and becomes a jet ski moment. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of. But there's of also that. a whole sequence in an episode where they ripped off the, the footage from the Italian job is like yes. what they build their whole sequence around. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, I mean, you know, uh, a great artist steals, guys. I mean, come on. And the uh, the writers of MacGyver were great artists. It, so. it did, you know, it, it, watching this whole season now has really made us realize what a distinctive line there was in the 80s between film and television. Like, there's just yeah. the, mm-hmm. totally different. It's like, this is Pulp Fiction. This is, like, crank it out every week. No one's ever going to see it again. Like, just get through it and make another one next week. Like, there's not, no one was thinking this is going to be viewed many many times and criticized by people but i bet it was pitched to the network like we're going to give you movie quality action for sure yeah right weekly weekly right yeah well this episode comes the closest honestly to delivering on that pacing (laughs) that like we i don't do you know nathan if there's a different writer in the mix or if there's a different director because there this episode is it feels a lot the only thing i know about the writer is is he did he did write or have a a hand in writing the last half a dozen episodes but he was coming off like a 20-year writing career and this was his last project this episode oh really his last so he was closing out season one of macgyver and retiring to go become an an author you know in oregon or whatever and this was drunk for this one right this was like (laughs) his like i gotta make this good because this is my last fucking script right yeah this is his like swan song that's really good to know okay um anyway um let's get into the final sequence here um certainly our 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 hitman here has a locker somewhere with all his crutches and wigs in it because um, he's escaped. And now he's, I guess we didn't really talk about the escape much, but uh, he, he murders everyone in the room. Uh, conveniently, Pete's not in the room. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, if Pete had been in the room, he would have stopped him. He would have right. walked up behind Absolutely. him with a, with, with a sock with a tennis ball in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess we can't kill off Pete, although I, I yeah, I think he, uh, I don't know <laughs> what chance Pete Anyone would hoping for pete to die is going to be sorely disappointed yeah Uh, i I liked it just because we got a chance like i said to see a villain do um like a little inventor macgyverism trick and so like that's super fun yeah and what i like about it is that you know we've talked before about it's it never works when macgyver has quote-unquote a plan like when he's planning it out like a whole op or whatever and he has to be a certain place at a certain time it doesn't work because his whole thing is that he makes it up as he goes along but what they've done here is they've made everyone else he's fighting against have a plan. Um, mm-hmm. So even the anti-MacGyver, he's not improvising a solution. He already has one taped to his body. You know, like the fun part is watching MacGyver try to like, okay, I'm just, I guess I'm just going to impersonate this guy and find out what the fuck is going on. Right. And like, and in, 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 in improvise my way through this thing. So he's always a step behind, which is what you want, right? You want the hero to be like at a disadvantage, Right. Yeah, and with MacGyver, you want him to be have the intellect to figure it out on the fly, which is why people like this. Yeah. What agency does MacGyver work for again? Because they don't mention it in this one. Yeah, they they mention it by name by letter name. It's like DHX or DMX or I don't know what the fuck it is. Oh, I was going to say because it you turns into the Phoenix the Foundation. Thing, 
the Phoenix Foundation eventually. Okay. Because if he's the CIA, like that is what they would often do is improvise their way through stuff. But in <laughs> real life, it just uh, uh, makes everything into a huge mess. Yeah, right. <laughs> improvise your way into a coup or something. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, especially when you're working with this archbishop who is refusing to cooperate with you. Um, and, and it's just like, no. I got to give my speech like I can't. Oh, my God. These guys are clearly intelligence officers, right? They're like <laughs> yeah. Secret Service. Is that what they are? They're, they're so they're, they're It's said that the guys guarding the archbishop are his personal security. I believe but they're that's, not, that's what they say. They're so clearly not just bodyguards, right? Because they're doing oh, intelligence yeah. work. <laughs> like oh, they're, they're doing full intelligence work yeah. and trying to track down threats and stuff. I mean, it's so crazy. First of all. <laughs> Why was there a whole scene like Annie is saying where the archbishop's like, no, I have to talk to my people. I mean, it would just have been more effective to just cut straight to he doesn't know. He, doesn't he know, walks right. out there and you <laughs> yeah, have to stop it. Fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, so my feeling is that like he is a voice for democracy, uh, yes, right. you know, mm-hmm. in Central America. And that is why uh, he's targeted. Because at first I was like, who gives a shit about some archbishop? And I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, he's he's no every episode of this show has to have an undercurrent of democracy is good. The U.S. (laughs) fixes everything and any sort of um, socialist or communist uprising across the world is a bad thing that we need to stop. And so that was kind of a light touch for typical MacGyver um, on this episode of like getting in. But they had to tell you that the target was not someone you wanted killed because he was doing good in the world. Right. That's an important thing to get across. Right. Well, I mean, so you're saying it has an undercurrent of truth is what you're saying right. the show. <laughs> right. that America fixes everything mm-hmm. yeah. I love how proud they are of this switcheroo that MacGyver pulls at the end where he takes the archbishop's clothing and impersonates him. I love how much the show thinks they're pulling one over on you the whole time. And it's like, I mean, it just, you see it coming from 10 miles away now, but I'm sure at the time people were surprised. Only, only thing I want to say about the old plan where MacGyver puts on the archbishop's robes is that MacGyver doesn't do anything to his head at all. He just puts on the archbishop's (laughs) robes. So MacGyver, before he goes out there, he goes, the plan is dependent on the assassin not looking above chest level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the nuns don't look at either guy, apparently, because they yeah. don't notice anything. I also th- just a little moment that I thought was great, though, when they were um, trying to explain to the archbishop and his staff, like what the mix up has been. They all leave uh, this woman in the room and MacGyver says, fill them in on the plan uh, because she's on the phone. <laughs> yeah. And she says absolutely nothing to them. Right. Uh, she just says, please hurry. And then that's it. It's like you are clearly just told to give them information and you're <laughs> <laughs> you're like She's, the worst sidekick that ever. poor character she has like like they gave her some good stuff to do which is like they made her strong and they made her capable and they made her like yeah. part of the plan and all that but they also made her very weak and very vulnerable and very you know innocent and it, so it was a real catch-22 with her 
I mean, it's it's the weird thing when you watch old television of like how how liberated they thought they were versus mm-hmm. how liberated they look now. I mean, my favorite is always Star Trek, where you know we have an international crew of people from all over the world, and only the two white guys and the Vulcan get to go do anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you stay up here, Russian, Japanese, yeah. and black uh, person. Um, exactly. So it's it's very interesting, you know how that moves slowly uh yeah um the scene that happens so he the hitman basically punches macgyver with his needle again in the chest right which makes no sense because later he falls on a needle and it kills him so uh, i i all i wanted was like one shot of oh the needle went into his cross and the cross saved him right uh or something prevented the needle from killing macgyver we didn't get that we just got he's stabs him and runs away but when they're running through the hallways of the church and fighting as they run i'm like this is fucking chaos and i love it like Mm -hmm. legs and arms are going everywhere shit's flying all over the place guns are popping up in the air it almost looked unplanned it looks like a bunch of like this this was the this chase was where i was like okay i'm watching tv now yeah <laughs> because like it's like literally like, like you know the martial arts fight in the clock shop it looked yeah. like you know okay maybe this is a movie from that time period other sequences looked pretty slick this looked like a bunch of guys in their dorm yeah like playing yes. grab ass yeah. like until the ra comes out and tells them to stop hey no 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 uh, touch football in the hall like <laughs> it looks like a mess and it looks cheap Yeah, this is why we're back to community theater, which is where we started the season where everything looked like a bunch of people just milling around with like different costumes and no one looks like they know what's going on. Like this scene is like a a harken back to that. Yeah. I mean, it must have been hard to write for MacGyver. I feel like you have a showrunner and producers who promised the network Rambo. Mm-hmm. And you've got the budget of Three's Company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, um, the needle that went into MacGyver was—I think it was stopped by just the logo for MacGyver. Just the <laughs> kind of opening credit, MacGyver came out of Richard Dean Anderson's <laughs> chest and said, "Plot immunity, plot yeah. immunity, <laughs> plot immune." Yeah, it's literally just MacGyver can't be seriously hurt or killed and that that's and that's part of you know why watching this show is so predictable because we it's just hard to care about any of the stakes because this show refuses to sort of let him get um in in any real danger so um but yeah it it did resolve itself obviously by the guy falling on a needle (laughs) falling getting uh, stigmata on his own needle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they, they're like, well, MacGyver can't kill somebody because he's right. a hero. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. And we don't want one of these uh, Archbishop guard chumps to do MacGyver's heroing for him. And so they decided on the assassin falls prey to his own evil machinations. But it wasn't quite set up, you know, well enough I, like if they had shown earlier that he has all these poisons and yep. macgyver says something like you think it's if they had used a line that you said tonight like <laughs> who keeps poison this close to their body something <laughs> like that yeah and then that had happened later you'd be like oh mind yeah, blown right. but yeah. no 
Or he opens a case at some point. He's got like different size needles he's selecting from or some shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Any number of things. Um, Claire, I mean, clarity is not one of this show's um, strong points. Like there's a lot of things that happen that are unexplained and uh, that just don't really track with the <laughs> the different characters that are involved. So, um, you know, this is just a reminder that we're back to to form on this yeah, yeah. episode. Well, just I want to imagine the writer whose job it was to always talk about chemicals and shit. Like, uh, you know, the guy who was like, they'd be like, how can we make him blow up a bus? But he only has a Frisbee and he's near a feed store for goats. And that guy like knows about chemicals and stuff. And then like, imagine getting cornered by that guy at the MacGyver rap party. Oh boy. No one, no one really liked that guy. I feel no. And, and as we've sort of posited before, like this is obviously pre internet in any meaningful way and so you had to just know this stuff um or have yeah, read about the library it and, and so, look it up yeah yeah the a lot of the science is kind of all over the place um and and i can only imagine the people that they had come in that did you know have i think that's background. what makes it cool like that's what made it interesting is that you were seeing something on screen that you you're you know maybe you're learning a little bit about this in school but you're not learning any practical application that's badass and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're seeing it on screen you know it, i can tell yeah. you in the logan family my my folks were just like purely like well he's learning about science you know <laughs> that's why they let you watch the show yeah i think so three two one contact magazine i think even ran a thing on it one time which was like a kid's science magazine i had i know they had they had some lesson plans for teachers too macgyver lesson plans for science experiments and stuff in the words of any right winger trying to make a point Prove it's not. <laughs> Prove it's not. I, I'm yeah. still I'm still thinking about the time you uh, confronted a MAGA guy at the club. That was super fun. Yeah, uh, we have fun with <laughs> the MAGA. For 4th of July weekend. <laughs> I mean, it's um, always interesting to talk to someone whose brain is wired backwards. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised there was a MAGA guy at Vermont Comedy Club. Wasn't like that. I, was I, Annie. So was what? I. Um, hey, anyway. Uh, oh, we have to talk about the last line. I'll never know for sure. First, he says wages of sin. And then he says, I'll never know for sure. And then Pete starts laughing and says, if he could have taken him. And I was like, what is this macho fucking bullshit? We have to end this. Fu- we First of all, we know he would have killed you. He has way more skills than you do in killing <laughs> yeah. people. But why in the fucking hell do we have to end this season with this macho bullshit? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, not so, I'm not the type of person who ever thinks about whether I can take someone. <laughs> <laughs> And if I if I'm talking to someone who for whom that seems to be a preoccupation, I probably try to change who I'm talking to pretty quickly. It just doesn't it doesn't match the character. Again, it's one of those things where it's like the character is pacifist. And now, like, it definitely was an 80s thing that men were preoccupied with in the 80s. Could I take that guy? Could take that guy? All right. right. It's like a big dick measuring contest or whatever. But MacGyver doesn't have that in his body. So, like, the fact that we are meant to believe that he does makes no fucking sense, especially as an ending line. You missed the moment right after that they cut for time where Pete goes, if you could have taken him. And MacGyver's like, what? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not what I was thinking. Yeah, I just think it feels off to give Pete, of all people, the last word in the season finale of MacGyver. Like, come on. We need MacGyver doing something cool, flying off in a plane, landing a chopper. The last word of the first season of MacGyver should be MacGyver. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> you got to end on the title of the show. That's showbiz knowledge. I mean, that's I- also the logic that they use when they repeat his name over and over on every episode of the show. Everyone he meets is immediately referring to him as MacGyver. Um, it's it's really bizarre. But yeah, I think giving Pete this weird oh zinger God. at the end was I mean, the previous not- episode ended with him standing in a Russian park in a fucking killer fur coat. Like, <laughs> like that was rad. I think it feels a little off to give Pete a role in the show, period. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> oh, where else is he going to get his Pete. Is he still around? Should uh, we have him on? No, he's dead. Wait, let me see if Pete's, <laughs> let me see if Pete's around. He's, he's dead. Uh, all right, we got to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more with Jared, and we're going to find out where this episode falls on our DTNP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Annie, what is the number one movie that people reference on this podcast when we ask them about MacGyver? That would be MacGruber, Nathan. Yes, the Will Forte MacGyver spoof, MacGruber. Which neither of us have ever seen. Which seems like something that as co-hosts of this podcast, we maybe ought to rectify. So we're going to host a live virtual watch party of MacGruber. That's right. You can join us on Saturday, December 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, and you can watch the movie right along with us. And you'll get to watch us watching the movie and participate in a live chat with other fans. It sounds like fun. Uh, We're also (laughs) going to be doing a quick 20-minute review of what we thought of the film directly afterwards, and we'll be collecting donations for Feeding Chittenden, which is the food bank in Burlington, Vermont. The event is free and you can find out more information and get the link to watch the movie with us at themacgyverpod.com slash MacGruber. That is December 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. See you there. Happy holidays and on with the show. Okay, we're back with our guest, Jared, who is feverishly reading about Dana Elkar for some reason now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he was in some cool movies. Failsafe is a cool movie, and so is okay. The Boston Strangler. I mean, he's never um, been a strong actor, but he is a workhorse. Yeah, he's a, a working actor, man's work, actor. Workhorse, yeah. All right, well, <laughs> let's move on to our next segment. It's time for It's Classified. We are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate this episode. This is sort of a rapid fire game. Each of us is going to score the assassin from one through 10 on four different characteristics. And we're going to start with you, Jared, because you are our guest Uh, on a scale of one to 10. How would you rate how exciting this episode was? 10. This can be uh, compared to anything. Can be compared to any shit. Didn't have to think about it for a second. Oh, you said 10. I thought you said, okay, you said 10. Compared to, compared to every single other film (laughs) I've ever watched, every television show I've ever watched and every novel I've ever read. I give the excitement of episode 22 of the season (laughs) one of MacGyver, the assassin, a 10. I can see where this is going already. Um, great. Uh, All right. What about you, Annie? Okay. Uh, you know, um, I am comparing this strictly to the first 21 episodes that we've uh, watched this season. Um, I'm giving this an eight. I was pretty excited, uh, I have to say. Um, I'm a little embarrassed by how much I enjoyed. Um, hey, that's all right. The clock fight, the escape scene, the um, the stabbing. Who could forget? Um, so, yeah. Annie, this is going to sound kind of aggressive. 
Uh, okay. So forgive me, but are you sure you don't want to just loosen up and give it a nine? <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm so I don't sure about that. In, I don't know if that's in Nanny's DNA. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... You don't know what giving an, this an eight means yeah, to me. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot for her. All right. We're breaking the bank on the eight. I get Actually, it. Actually, you know what? It. I'm going to look right now and see if you've ever given... Have I ever given something anything, anything this high? Uh, okay. I see a few sevens. Um, going back, uh, oh, there's an there is an eight in here. Deathlock, you gave an eight uh, in this okay. category. Uh, deserved it. Deserved it. Okay. Also, Thief of Budapest, which is like your favorite. Mm-hmm. All right. So a couple others. Um. All right. I think I'm gonna go with an eight and a half. You know what? Yeah. Let's do that. Uh. All right. Acting and writing, we put as one category. So if you had to rate the acting and writing on a scale of one to ten, what would that be? One. <laughs> <laughs> You are going to sabotage this whole uh, very scientific process we have. Well, I'm sorry. It. I'm not just trying to stunt on you, but I do think that it was very bad. And I'm and I don't I'm not really comparing like you guys are to other episodes of MacGyver that you've recently watched. I'm just sort of comparing to stuff I've taken in. So I thought that in terms of like getting me excited, the show does a great job uh, and it had some exciting sequences. But in terms of writing and acting, I mean, we've pointed out plot holes and the fact that Pete, God rest his soul, uh, is not a very good actor. And uh, so I got to go. Uh, so so this go. this episode was able to get you to a 10 with excitement with one acting and writing. Isn't that amazing how these things work? <laughs> That's incredible to me. That that tells me they should throw out the scripts yeah. and just spend the whole budget on the, on the clock shop yeah. and call it a day. I mean, I think that you're right. I mean, I just think that you're right about that. That's correct. Okay, well, we're going with one. Uh, he's not changing, so <laughs> we're going with the one. What about you, Annie? Um, this, yeah, this is in line with uh, how I felt about a lot of episodes, a lot of plot holes, a lot of bad acting. Um, although the the stuntman uh, guest star is better than some of the other guest stars that we've seen. So I got to give him that. Um, so I'm going to give this a three, three. Okay. Oh man. I, I don't want to go against the two of you, but um, I think there is better writing in this than a lot, almost every other episode that I've seen in terms of like, <laughs> it, it moves quickly. It like, there's enough happening in this episode that they have to cut between that. It actually keeps the pace going uh, in a way that the other ones haven't. Uh, there's some, I mean, the acting's never great. Uh, am I being too charitable? If I give it a five, I'll give it a five. Wow. Yep. Uh, well, I guess some people, anything's good enough for them. <laughs> and so. we're, we're thankful for those people because they yep. listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, sheer innovation is the next category. That's the MacGyverisms in this. And if you can think back to them, as far as I can remember, they are the ruler in the telephone, uh, the spike strip thing. We haven't even talked about the MacGyverisms. That's how forgettable most of them were. Um, but like making shit to thwart your enemies out of your existing surroundings. How would you rate that? Let me go through this because this is a different one. I think that we, we have to allow uh, Piedra to have some sheer innovation in this one, right? Oh, interesting. It, it doesn't okay. have to belong solely to MacGyver. And okay. we have gone on and on about how much we enjoyed 
that escape sequence. Mm-hmm. And I've even thought, oh, I'll steal some of those things that he did and put them in my role-playing games. Like next time, because <laughs> I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and all these different role-playing games. And my players, if anytime they capture a bad guy, they always search him, but they're not going to search beneath his mustache, you guys. Right. Or his latex <laughs> um, scar. Or his latex scar. So I think that like there's a ton of sheer innovation in this. 10. <laughs> <laughs> you are sending me on a roller coaster, yeah. man. This In is... the words of the website, hot or not, Nathan, <laughs> it's either hot or it's not. It does feel a bit <laughs> binary with you. <laughs> I mean, system. it is true that on those of us who are old enough to remember hot or not, I feel like you, <laughs> it's rare that you gave somebody a five. Like it's usually, yeah. um, you know, one end or the other. So mm-hmm. I got it. All right. Go. You're defending hot or not. You're on the record. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me and Mark Zuckerberg are really close. (laughs) Um, I sort of think it's lame to give it to Piedra because if he has the best MacGyverism of the episode, to me, that's not a good episode for invention and Mm -hmm. innovation, you know? I thought we were just celebrating invention, not just (laughs) hero worshiping MacGyver, but okay. Now, the category is called sheer innovation. And uh, not MacGyver's innovation. And the writers who I've given a five to and you get a one to did come up with these. So (laughs) these things you gave a 10 to, I'm just saying. Nathan is trying so hard to apply logic to these. <laughs> am I, am I totally, let me ask you, is my 10, one, 10 going to totally turn this into the best episode of all I time? I cannot wait to find out. <laughs> I don't know because yeah, at the end of the day, it's like you gave everything a five. So. Well, what do you, what do you think? What would you give this Annie? Do you... Oh, for innovation, um, six, six. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give this a five as well, because I was pretty disappointed with the number of, even though Piedra's stuff was cool. I don't even think of them as like inventions necessarily, because they were just planned things he had on him. Like he had Mm -hmm. all this shit planned. He didn't come up with this on the spot the way MacGyver does. But, uh, okay. Next category is eighties. Cool factor. Uh, how cool was this from an eighties cool standpoint? Hmm. Eighties. Cool. Uh, well, um, lock pick under a mustache is my favorite eighties trope, <laughs> right? Eighties. <laughs> um, cool factor. Oh, you know what? MacGyver drove around in a sweet little aquamarine 57 mm-hmm. Chevy, which I feel like was in every Pepsi commercial in the eighties. But that's the only thing that I think is eighties cool in this. Cause I don't think like, uh, big themes of Catholicism or eighties. Cool. <laughs> Oh, you know what is 80s cool? A very easy to join call Escort girl service. service. Yeah. Yes. And, the, the, and that room was like appointed in a very 80s style. And the madam was very 80s fashion. Oh, yeah. The pastel, mm-hmm. everything like that to me, that felt very 80s. So if I assign uh, a number to each uh, 80s cool object and let's call it a three. And then I have determined that there are two 80s cool objects. Uh, I know what you're doing. Convertible and the escort service. Uh, can I find any others? You're uh, desperately hoping you can. <laughs> you know I am, but I can't. So okay. six. All right, six. How about you, Annie? 
Um, so I am giving this an eight um, for the oh. reasons that Jared just mentioned, the car and the escort service, but also the thing that we haven't talked about, which is those phones in the briefcase oh, yeah. um, that also included the scrambler, um, which I guess interfered with any sort of like And that phone being like, the it looks like Chrome, but you know it's plastic, like yeah, pristine, that, very cool. That was the most 80s phone uh that i've ever seen and the fact that it was like taped under the desk um archbishop or no um this <laughs> is getting an eight for me okay uh great love it there were definitely some aviator sunglasses i think in this episode uh yeah. i agree i'm going with eight as well oh you know what else was very 80s mm. telling your kid to just uh leave and go wherever he wants yes <laughs> <laughs> now, here's now your like, watch now get out of here Go walk by yourself. Or just the ability to pick up a kid off the street and be like, kid, you want a free watch? Come with me. Yeah. <laughs> Parental negligence is 80s cool. 80s cool. So uh, there are three bonus categories. These are, uh, he will get five points extra if any of these things is true. Uh, does he help out an old friend in this episode? I don't believe so, right? That's no. not really a thing. No. Uh, does an ex-girlfriend make an appearance? No. No. And is he detained against his will? No. I think he is. Wait, when? Right, the Secret Service pull him into the car, and then they hold him at gunpoint oh, for a right. bit. Right, yeah, the he, Catholic Secret Service getting Catholic Secret Service. Uh, all right, that concludes it's classified. It's time to find out the results. Out of a total possible 135 points, this episode receives 83 and a half points, making it the fifth best episode of season <laughs> one. God damn! <laughs> you were going for number Fuck. one, weren't you? Um, now it's only a half a point away from number four. So, uh, so you made it into the top five. Congratulations. Uh, uh, pretty good. The only things beating it are Countdown, Ugly Duckling, Thief of Budapest, and Last Stand. It's amazing it's in the top five when it's writing and acting was a one. It really is. Incredible. <laughs> uh, almost as though someone was trying to fuck with our system. No, <laughs> I really wasn't. I really wasn't. No, no, no. We also, Annie and I, uh, this is as good a place to mention it as any. Uh, Annie and I are going to do a little bonus episode after this final episode of season one where we break three ties in the uh, in the hierarchy here. So that'll be a fun little extra Important bonus. work. Important work. Isn't it, though? I know. Um, Jared, before we wrap things up, where can people find you? What are you up to? What you, What can you plug? What's going yes. on? So if you are a fan of geeky things like tabletop role-playing games, please check out my streaming channel, The Stream of Blood, where we do all kinds of uh, role-playing games with uh, famous or, you know, comedians, actors. Uh, well, I mean... <laughs> Comedian like, famous, yeah. I said famous, and I was like, should I say famous? But yeah, a lot of them are famous or sure. famous to me. Like, we've got a guy from the HBO show Raised by Wolves on my vampire show right now. Cool. Um, we've had Henry Zabrowski from The Last Pod do a lot of our episodes of my Cthulhu show. So check out The Stream of Blood. Um, go to Epics and find yeah. my half hour. Uh, unprotected sets is what that's called. Cool. And uh, on twitter i'm at jared logan and i post a lot there awesome thank you so much for joining us this has been my pleasure so thanks for uh bringing fun. back old memories absolutely that's it for this week and for season one uh thanks yeah. everybody for listening please subscribe and review and keep in touch our website is themacgyverpod.com and our socials are at themacgyverpod if you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us you can get them on cbs all access or buy them on amazon for a buck an episode the next season of Duct Tape and Paperclips starts January 18th, when we'll be breaking down the season two premiere, The Human Factor. Take care, everybody, and remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, 
friends are the adventures of life. Thanks, everybody. Good night. <laughs>